0: Hey, online location people, man, I'm glad you're here watching this, wherever you're watching it from, whenever you're watching it, I'm just really pumped that you are part of our online location. Listen, if you're a part of this location, you're a part of our church in every way, and if you ever need support or help or someone to talk to, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're here for you. We love you. We want to walk alongside you in your journey, and uh, and we're here to help. Before we jump into the message, I just want to remind you of, uh, of one or two things, and the first one is make sure you reserve your space for Easter. All of our Good Friday and Easter services can be found at gfceaster.com, gfceaster.com. We need you to save your seat so we know how much space to provide. We want to make room for everybody, for all your friends and all your family, and do it as safely and as comfortably as possible. So registering on there really helps us know how to do that, and it'll save your seat for whatever service you want to attend. Spaces are going quick, so I wouldn't waste any time. I would jump on there to make sure you get the best chance at the service you want. Don't forget to check out our kids' programming at the link below this video. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or somewhere, you can just go to gracefreechurch.live kids. Our online kids' campus is absolutely amazing and uh, man, we'd love, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear how things are going on, how, how this online location has been encouraging you or blessing you. You guys are awesome, and we love you, and uh, we're ready to jump into this next message. You ready? We're jumping into a talk called, Isn't It Ironic? Let's pray. Dear God, we're so thankful for you. And uh, for how you meet us, no matter where we are, no matter what life looks like. Man, some people watching it on breaks from work, and people watching it in their homes, in their living room, people watching this, sitting in their cars, and listening hopefully, not watching. Um, people all over the place, all over the, the county, all over the state, all over the country who are tied into this location. Uh, and we're, we're all together, even though we're apart. We're together in our need for you and our desire for you to speak to us through your word. I just pray that you break down some barriers for us right now, that you do a new thing in our hearts, that you'd help somebody step from the old to the new and to experience all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of y'all, while I was praying, you heard the title of the message, and the next thing that happened in your brain is Alanis Morissette started blaring out like, isn't it ironic? Don't you think? It's like rain. Come on, on your wedding day, it's a free ride. You know, as soon as you hear that word ironic, you got some 90s kids, right? Like Jamming out to Alanis Morissette, you're going to have to go find that and listen to it if you don't know what I'm talking about. Ironic. This this message is called, It's a Little Ironic, and it's in our series Good News, and what we don't want is we don't want irony to be found in the good news. Here's a little March Madness trivia for you. Did you know some, some, some basketball irony? Go Bears! I'm rooting for my boy, John Jacobs, who's coaching Baylor basketball. Man, I hope by now, whenever you're watching this, there are a couple of wins deep in the tournament. Put them at the end of your bracket. Don't doubt for a second, Baylor bears all the way. <laughs> Man, you probably don't know this, but my my brother John came to this church for a while before moving to Chicago and then to Gonzaga and then to Baylor and we're rooting for him. We're pulling for him. He's family, and we love him and, and his team via extension. Here's some basketball trivia, though, right? Like, it's a little bit ironic um, that the inventor of basketball is the only losing coach at the University of Kansas. His, his name, right? Like, his name was James Naismith, and he won he invented basketball in 1981 and is the only losing coach in the history of the University of Kansas, which is a basketball team with a pretty dope logo, if I must say so myself. You want to know a little Bible trivia? Maybe you're not a Bible fan. You're like, I'm sick of Josh talking about sports at church. <laughs> All right, here you go. You want to know another piece of like spiritual irony? <laughs> The most shoplifted book in the world is the Bible. And P.S., like, I love the Bible. I want you to read it. I don't care. Like, you can come shoplift the Bible from our church any day. If you need one, we'll get you one. Like, we have them here for you. The Bible is amazing. So that was kind of like good news, even though it's a little bit ironic, right? Like, it's good news. I'm glad if you're going to steal a book, steal the Bible. It's the only book that's alive and living and can change your life. And we're about to jump into it a little bit today in Acts Chapter 2, irony, isn't it a little ironic? And what I want to talk about really is the irony of grace. We've been in this series called Good News, and we've been talking about uh, grace as we walk through what makes Christianity unique and what makes this message so why why you have hope. We've been talking about why you can have hope, why you can have audacity of great faith, why your story's never over, why you can... Uh, experience the new life God has for you through Christ and what he's done for us. We've walked through this series, and I want to talk to you about grace because it's one thing to know it, what it's about. It's another thing to accept it. It's a whole different thing to live in it, and I feel we sometimes get stuck not stepping into it, and it's ironic, not in a good way. It's ironic because, you know, Jesus said in John chapter 10, very truly I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Whoever, whoever enters through faith in the one who is the way, the truth, and the life will be saved. But check this out. It says this. They will come in and go out and find pasture (laughs) that's good you can't find it anywhere else the pasture and the peace and the protection protection and the nourishment for your heart and soul you can't find it anywhere else in fact he goes on and he says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy and you can see that around quite a bit can't you But I have come. Somebody write this down. Put it in your notes. Snap a picture when you're done and send it to me. Tag us on Instagram. Somebody shout this in the middle of wherever you're watching it. This is something you got to lock in. I have come, Jesus says, that you may have life and have it to the full. Wow. Man, talk about blessing. I'm the good shepherd, he says. I'm the good shepherd. Isn't that ironic that so many people don't experience the grace that is freely laid out for them? It's right there, but they never take it. Or they take it, but they never live in it. Like, I don't want to sound arrogant. Like, Arrogance is no good, right? Like I don't wanna sound I don't wanna sound arrogant, but I talk to people and I'm like, man, I gotta hope they're missing. Like so many people come, come asking me questions and I'm like, you don't understand. I don't know how to make this clear to you. You look at my faith like it's a drag or a bummer or a burden or a heavy weight, nothing could be further from the truth. How ironic that you look at this thing called faith in Christ and think of it as a burden to add to your life when there's nothing more freeing. You think of it like a drag when there's nothing more fun and happy and free than knowing that God's grace and love is for me and I don't have to deserve it. I don't have to earn it. I just have to live in it. Jesus would go on and he'd say, I'm, just, I'm not only the gate, I'm the good shepherd. I'll lead you where you need to go. Psalm 23 leads us by, by green pastures. He comforts us. Like I don't want to sound arrogant and I'm not perfect But life with Christ is better. The hope I have is real. When you have accepted through faith what Christ offers you, life doesn't get perfect. It's not always peachy. It's not some kind of like magic spell that makes everything go great for you all the time. You're still going to have difficulties, but you're an overcomer. No one can steal your joy. And no one can separate you from the love of Christ. Man, I'm not. It's freedom from fear. <laughs> freedom from fear of death. Freedom from fear of, man, it's just so good. And I look at people who don't have it, don't want it, have rejected it. And they're the ones carrying around the burden. Heavy hearts, bitter souls, living in fear, all kinds of, man, if that's you, you don't don't have to live like that. You can have hope through faith. You can have joy that sinks deeper than the temporary happiness that you feel. Jesus, like, it's so ironic, so ironic in all the bad ways that people think Christianity and what God has for us is some sort of burden when it couldn't be further from the truth. It's so free. There's some irony found in Acts chapter 2. That's a passage I want to jump to. I'm getting carried away and, man, we got to get going here. Um, there's some irony in Acts chapter 2 and it says, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 3. It's a story about Peter and uh, John healing a guy who's lame and uh, begging at this gate called the Beautiful Gate. Let me just read a little bit about it, and then I want to talk to you. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. The temple gate called Beautiful. Somebody underline that or circle it where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. (laughs) John holding it down there. The only thing he did was just look straight at him with Peter. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention. You see, he didn't give them his attention even though he saw them. He he just was stuck. He said, look at us. And the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said to him, silver or gold, I do not have. The disappointment that would have rang in his ears at that. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Now I want you to lock this in. We're going to get to it in a minute. Lock in the picture of what this guy's life looks like. His ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called beautiful. It's mentioned twice there. It's ironic that this gate is called beautiful, and it's so good that it's called beautiful too. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them. In the place called Solomon's Colonnade, where Peter saw this, when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why does this surprise you? There's so much irony at the beautiful gate. That word beautiful in the Greek, the language there." it actually means it's much longer than just beautiful. It captures a little bit more than just the word beautiful does in our culture, in our time, the way we use it, especially in a time and culture where we downgrade what real beauty is. We put plastic things up as beautiful and real beauty somehow gets lost in the shuffle of airbrushes online and photo editing and Filters on videos, beautiful is something that we're not really understanding on a deep level. This Greek word for the beautiful gate, it actually means the moment is now and beautiful. What a great name for a gate going into the temple where you would find hope, where you would renew your strength. Where you would reconnect with God. Like something great to put on the temple. Like to put it on the doors of the church. We're not going to. We're going to keep you our love here there. But like what what should be the uh, amazing thing to see at the temple is The moment is now, and it's beautiful. Come on in. And here the irony is that this guy had sat there begging day after day. He's 40 years old. Day after day, just begging, lost in the noise and the hustle of life, just trying to scrape enough together to get He's stuck at this gate. They would carry him to it every day. They'd pick him up wherever he needed to pick up. They probably thought they were doing him some great favors. They would take him to the gate and drop him down at the gate. Jesus would walk him through the gate on his own two feet. The irony is that this guy sat there so long, stuck right So close, but yet so far. So close to the hope he needed, but he couldn't even see it. So close to a new life. So close to new legs. But it wasn't even in his view anymore. At some point he had given up on real hope, on anything more than just the day-to-day drag and routine his expectations were so low. And Peter and John roll up to him and they're like, and he doesn't even see him. Like it's almost like now, like we're just all walking around with, with our eyes on our phones all the time, right? Like we don't even, we're not even aware of what's really going on. We see people, but we don't really see them. We kind of have a sense of what's going on around us, but we're not really paying attention. And here he is just stuck. And, and they stop, and they say, look at me. And he asks them for money. Like he sees them, but he doesn't really see anything different. He just asks them for money. They pause there for a second and say, look at me. Look at us. I don't have what you need. I have something better. I don't have what you need. What you're looking for, I don't have more of the same for you. I don't have what you thought of asking for. What we've experienced, we can pass on to you. And it's better. What we have is the Spirit of God living in us. The same Spirit who rose Christ from the dead is living in us. What we can do for you is more than you thought of asking. It's more than you could have imagined. It's about time we snap out of stuck and let our faith drive our lives. That we have the audacity to hope for big things from a big God. That we have the courage to take steps forward through our 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 uncomfortable circumstances, expecting God to show up and do something new in our lives, but maybe you're stuck. Like this guy, so close but so far, hung up, right at the gate, you just need to step through. I think sometimes there's all kinds of things that keep us stuck, so close yet so far. He wanted more of what wasn't working anyway, (laughs) and that's how I roll too. Somehow I think that the, the key to my life or more happiness is just more or better of what already isn't working. It's just, you know, we do it all the time. Well, I'm not happy, so I need more money. But you don't need more money. Happiness isn't something that comes from more money. There are plenty of rich people that are lost and depressed and miserable, happiness doesn't equate more money, but that's how we ask. You see what I'm saying there? Like, if I, if I just need more or better of what already isn't working, that's what we ask for. How many times have people jumped from broken relationship to broken relationship because they wanted more or better of something that wasn't going to work anyway? Listen, people are always going to disappoint you down. It's about working through it together. It's about what God does in your relationship. There's, There's always something about every person. The grass isn't greener on the other side. You just can't see the piles of sheep stuff Because you're looking over a fence, but when you get in that yard, you're going to realize, like, man, it wasn't as green as I thought. But we just asked for more or better of the same thing. This guy just paid more money. I just need more money. It's not working. He's still there every day it's not changing his life. He just wants more or better of what's already not working. And sometimes we get stuck. Maybe you're stuck right now because what you have been asking God for, what you have been praying for every night, is something that will never work for you anyway. And maybe you're even getting frustrated at God because He's not providing it for you. But if He would provide it for you, the, the amount of your despair would increase your your disappointment would grow because you would be realizing that what you're asking for wasn't working anyway more or better of broken is still broken what god has for you is what you need what god has for you what he will what the the prayers he will answer are the prayers for what you truly Need He's just asking for more or better of what's not working, and so he's stuck at the gate. And I don't want you to sit stuck when you could be living in grace and new life. And if you've just been asking for more or better of what already isn't working, it's time to change your prayers. You should be thanking God for not answering those instead of being frustrated with him. He was so blind because he wasn't looking. That's another reason we get stuck. Blind because we're not looking. It's not that we can't see. It's that we're not looking for God. We all do it. We want to see a sign right? Like a big sign. Let's God show me something big when really he's been subtly moving us along one step at a time. He's been there working the whole time, but we're blind to it. We don't see him pop up in the encouragement from somebody around us. We miss it because we're just blind. We're too big looking for too, the wrong stuff. We're just looking for the wrong stuff. So when God meets our need in, in small ways to help sustain us and get us through difficult times, we don't even Acknowledge it to him, and what comes out of our hearts is, where are you, God? And God's like, man, I've been right with you, walking through you this the whole time. You've just been blind to it. He sat at the temple outside of where hope could be found through relationship with God, blind to it. I don't want to get stuck at a beautiful gate I can walk through to a beautiful life because I'm just blind to what God is doing around me. It's time, like, if you're stuck in that space, you're like, I don't see God. I don't hear him. It feels like I'm talking to the wall. Maybe you're just not really looking. Maybe you're just looking for him to show up how you expect him to show up. He's moving and working around you. Don't be blind because you're not looking for him. He was done listening. He wasn't really listening anymore. He's just kind of sitting there in the noise. I'm sure this gate had lots of traffic. That's why he picked it to sit down and beg. Lots of traffic in and lots of traffic out. And just sitting there, lots of noise as people are rushing around late. You know some people are late. They got their Chick-fil-A. They're trying to shove it down their throat before they get into church because we all know that that's like God's restaurant. I'm just kidding, man. Like Everybody gets all crazy about Chick-fil-A. I don't really get it. They're like, fancy chicken nuggets, that's it, on, a, on some bread. And th- then the line's long. The line is always long. And uh, it's good food, whatever, like I just don't get all the hype. He, he's stuck in this noise outside this beautiful gate, The busyness, the chaos, the stuff, not hearing God's voice for him anymore until Peter says, You got to look at me. No, really, look at me. And the first time he heard something that broke the, the noise of his life, the monotony, the sound, the first time he really heard anything different was when Peter saw him and stopped for him and said, No, dude, you're not really seeing it. You're not really looking. I wonder if I need that sometimes. Somebody to just God, somebody sent somebody. Sent maybe this is me doing it for you. I don't know. I need it too sometimes. Like just no, you don't really see it. You're not really looking. Look. You you gotta, you gotta hear me. We don't listen because our lives are so noisy. No wonder we're so spiritually starved. It's because we're not listening. Because our lives are so noisy. No wonder it feels like God's not speaking to us or he's far away or we slide into apathy or we just don't feel connected. Or it's because we're not listening. The reason why we gather together sometimes and like and, and it feels so absolutely amazing in the worship service is because for finally, finally, the busyness and the noise of our lives is broken. And we can start to hear God. He hasn't stopped talking. He's always been talking. We get stuck at the beautiful gate, not stepping into the new life God has for us because we're done listening through the noise for his voice, limited by lost expectations. Maybe this guy was limited by lost or low expectations. I mean, his expectations after 40 years of suffering, 40 years, however long, I don't know what year he started begging at the gate or when people started to carry him uh, there, but like at some point, right, like his expectations were just shattered, lowered, and maybe God to him was just a gate to sit at looking for help from people. His expectations that life could ever be different, that he could walk again, that anything would ever change, gone out the window. Y'all, we, we give up. We lower our expectations for life, for each other, for God. We have this really big God who, who constantly throughout Scripture is showing us that in faith we can expect the impossible, because nothing is impossible for him. Yet our expectations are so terribly low. We lean on other things to make us feel better when we should be expecting God to do something new in our hearts. We learn to expect disappointment from people instead of expecting fulfillment from God. We expect life to just be day after day after day, instead of expecting God to surprise us. The other thing is maybe he was lost in his past, and that's why he was stuck here, right? like His past was defining his present and his future and whatever, it's just the routine of how things were is how things are always going to be. But here John and Peter, they see him and they stop, and Peter says, look at me. Maybe that's what God's saying to you right now. Just look. No, no, I get you're seeing it. I get you're watching on TV right now. I get you're playing church on your phone. I get you're here in this moment. I know you see it. Stop seeing this and look at me. Maybe God's trying to get the attention of your heart to arouse in your soul an audacious faith that is courageous enough to trust him in the midst of disappointment on earth, that is courageous enough to follow him. Maybe he's trying to shake some dust and some rust loose on your heart and saying, I love you unconditionally. You can trust me. You can follow me. I'm the good shepherd. I've come that you may have life to the full, not some lame, boring life, not some low expectation life. Not some gotta get through a day by day life. Not some I'm struggling with anxiety and depression life. Man, I've seen people on the brink of devastation realize that through faith they're on the brink of new life and step through the beautiful gate to see it. I've seen people... Buried in overwhelming circumstances who call me up and they're like, man, I was stuck in anxiety and depression for so long and now I'm free because of my faith. I did some work to follow Jesus in the middle of it. I got some help. But the, the key to the whole transition for me was Jesus working in me. I'm free of it. I'm, I've never had life better than it is right now. I've heard, I know people in this room, right, like that that are a part of this church who, who have been in courtrooms, like ready to call it quits on their relationship. But God did something in a moment and changed their lives, and now their lives are Full and their marriage is full. Man, I've officiated weddings of of people who had left each other in anger and bitterness, only to realize that when God got a hold of their hearts, everything changed. Man, I've watched it on the faces of kids, realizing that their identity isn't found in what they do. It's found in a God who loves them. I've I've watched it time and time again. People who are on the brink. Of despair, realize that there wasn't that much distance from the brink of joy because of the new life God has for them. Man, I've seen it and I've experienced it. The life God has and offers you is your best life. You can keep trying on your own, keep shaking the jar standing at the beautiful gate. Don't be caught in the irony. Realize that just one step of faith equals new life. He says, in the name of Jesus, that's where the hope is found. That's where the new life is given. In Ephesians chapter 2 in the NIRV, it's a little bit of a different version, but it reads this passage so well. I just want to, I just want to read it to you real quick. It says this, but God loves us deeply. He loves us deeply. He is full of mercy. So he gave us new life because of what Christ has done. He gave us new life. Even when we were dead in sin, God's grace has saved you. He has new life for you. This guy, like he just reaches up as Peter reaches down A simple act of faith. No idea if it was going to work. A simple act of faith in this name that is different than every other name. This name where our hope is found. The name of Jesus. The power in that name. He reaches up and takes the hand in faith. And as Peter pulls him up, it says in scripture, his ankles became strong. His feet became strong. He jumped to his feet. He didn't just like wobble up there, jump to his feet, and he begins to walk. He's just walking at first. And he went with them into the temple courts. He was walking and jumping as the strength returned to his legs and he couldn't help but praise God people are amazed at this and he just holds on to Peter and John and follows them all around the temple man he is just so happy God will help you stand if you've fallen and you've been beaten down right now reach out your hand to him he'll help you stand that's where to start if you're standing but your legs are a little wobbly reach out your hand to him you're not sure if you can make it but you're up off the mat like reach out your hand to him. He'll help you take some steps, and as you do, your confidence in God will grow. Just start with one step of trust in him. Just give him one step, and he'll grow your strength, and your confidence and faith will grow. If you can walk a little bit, man, maybe it's time to jump around a little bit. Maybe it's time to dance a little bit, because you are overcome with this incredible love God's given you. Listen, life with him is amazing, and he will do the possible in your life and in your relationships and in your workplace if you give him your heart and accept the new life he has for you stop sitting at the beautiful gate and walk through it we walk through it by by not holding back anymore and by holding on to him don't hold back if you're holding back you're holding on to something that isn't working. If you're like, I don't know if I can trust him, it scares me, I don't know if I'm gonna have to give up something, you're missing the point. That life of burden is the one you're already living. The life of freedom and joy is the one Jesus offers to you. If you're holding back, it's because you're holding on to the wrong stuff. Stop asking for more, better, broken things that are still broken. Trust him and follow him, don't hold back. And hold on. Holding on. I love that he held on to Peter and John. Like he didn't want to let him go. Like if you've gotten a taste of this life, just a glimmer of it if you want it. Just hold on to Jesus. Hold on to him by spending some time with him. Get to know him. Hold on to his word. Spend some time learning about him in it. Spend some time reading about Jesus. Hold on to him a little bit through worship and aligning your heart towards him and off of all these other things that distract you. Hold on to him by holding on people that are walking the journey too. Walk it with them. Bring some support into your life. Start talking about spiritual things in your life. Start praying more. That's how you hold on to him. Let go of what's been holding you back and hold on to Jesus. He's the good shepherd. And he came to give you a life that is full. Surprised? You all surprised at that? We shouldn't be. Why would we be surprised that the God of grace, that Jesus Christ, offers us new life, our best life? Why would we be surprised that the God who loves us wants to fill our hearts with joy and peace, and love. And why would we ever hold back from him? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your love, man. I don't know, I feel, I can't even do this justice, right? Like, I don't even, man, I, message is so insufficient in capturing the life you have for us, how much joy you pour on us, how much peace you give us when we need it most, how much fun it is to serve you and follow you. Man, this is a blast. I just love you, we love you and for those that have tasted this best life with you we just want to stop right now and say thank you we're going to worship you in a second we're going to sing you songs out of overflowing hearts we just want to say thank you God for giving us this joy, this peace, this love no one can steal from us thank you God for stealing fear of death from us thank you God that no matter what happens in this life we are your children and if you're for us Who can be against us? And if we haven't, God, now's the time to stop sitting at the gate, the hands already offered through Christ. The name already has the power, your name, the name above all names. We just got to reach up in faith. For those that are on the mat, would you pick them up? God, we trust you. Help us walk a little bit. If we're walking, God, we trust you. We want to give you more. Help us jump around and praise you like we should. In Jesus' name, amen.